0: Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from the website mindrobber.net, the home site of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts. Like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, and our mothership podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. And if you like our shows, review them, specifically on iTunes. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool stuff you feel like sharing, then you can email us at podcast at mindrobber.net and we might read them on the show. And if you want to start a discussion, add it to the comments on the website mindrobert.net so everyone can know what you're thinking. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about the 10th Doctor story, The Girl in the Fireplace, which is kind of, sort of, my quintessential Doctor Who story for me. Um, This is, like, everything I could possibly want in a Doctor Who story, all in one thing. Most people's go-to story, as, like, their favorite is uh, Blink, but I would argue that Blink is a really great sci-fi story not necessarily because it's a doctor who story you know Mm Mm-hmm. yeah Uh, but this has plenty of the doctor it has the historical element it has the crazy sci-fi element it has awesome monsters like this is this is just everything it's just it's it's awesome um so uh what what's what what kind of background and significance do you have for this one uh, okay, well, Girl in the
1: Fireplace, as everyone knows, is written by Stephen Moffat. Um, it's his first crack at handling the Tenth Doctor, um, and his first coming after um, his rousing success with uh, Empty Child Doctor Dances. It's directed by Eros Lynn, who would eventually go on to, among other things, direct the uh, End of Time, which was uh, David Tennant's swan song, uh, who I think is a, an, a director who... Elevates good material and does not help bad material. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he's kind of like a cipher, I suppose, Uh, if that's the right usage of the word. What I didn't know when I was looking up uh, background for the story is that the idea of Madame de Pompadour is an idea that Russell T. Davies actually came up with. Um, He was really enamored with that character character and he, uh, he, he asked Moffat to write something with that, and he was also interested in the idea of uh, machines and clockwork robots who were, you know, uh, products of something or machinery thinking place. Um, he was originally supposed to do something on the lines of, like, the Turk, which was a an auto- a supposed automaton in the 19th century that played chess against people in one. Uh, it was later revealed to be a hoax, but Davy said, hey, Moffat, why don't you do something with this? So Moffat did something with it. And um turned out what is a very, like you said, quintessential Doctor Who story. Like, I'm th- I was trying to think of other ones. And besides Love and Monsters, I can't think of one that's more quintessential to me. Um, that's a joke. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I mean, you're right. Like, I have – I actually have issues, minor, minor quibbles with this story. Um, but – At the end of the day, it really is like a quintessential everything you could kind of really want out of a Doctor Who story, which is, you know, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, Um, I feel like I feel like, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, what's a good story to show someone who knows nothing about Doctor Who? Well, if you're if you're afraid of Rose, because there are like the cheesy elements of Rose. I, I really like Rose. I think it's a great jumping on point. But if you want to just show them what Doctor Who is capable of. The Girl in the Fireplace, I feel, is the episode that you should go with, not Blink, because Blink isn't what Doctor Who is. Blink is like is, – is, Blink is, almost seems like Moffat's answer to Love and Monsters. Sure. Um, and, and it's
1: also a bit of a deconstruction of Doctor Who if you really get down to it. Right. Um, so it's, he... it's,
0: it's more of a thing like uh, it, you would appreciate it more if you've watched the rest of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And like you could also argue that something like Silence in the Library works, but I don't. I think Silence in the Library is also fairly esoteric, and you needing to know a little bit about the Doctor to mm-hmm. understand why someone like River Song is really important. Um, but this, you're right. Like it has really cool time elements that are really interesting. That you know Moffat really starts to play with when he takes over the show, and it's it's just a good time. It's very quotable, and you see a lot of really interesting elements take over mm-hmm. uh, and it's, you're right. Like it, it is a great sort of like, okay, well show me, like if you want to, if you have someone who's like, show me what you got girl in the fireplaces, you you can't really do much
0: better. You mm-hmm. really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, before we get started with uh, our heavy discussion of the episode, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, and this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Batman, The Black Mirror by Scott Snyder, Jock, and Francesco Francavilla. This book is available for only $17.99, which is 40% off the suggested, real ta- blah, suggested retail <laughs> price of $29.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, so... Where everybody, most people, I mean, if you've listened to this, this, if you're listening to this show, you've probably seen this episode. Um, so we're not going to beat by beat it, um, but there are a lot of things that I want to talk about. One of the first things that I want to talk about is something um, that I noticed watching at this time, because I'm going to be honest, I wasn't planning on rewatching this episode <laughs> because I've seen it so many times and I felt like... I don't I, and and I just rewatched the series uh with with Bethany my girlfriend um you know a few months ago so it was like I had just seen this episode a couple of months ago so I felt like it was fresh enough but I had to make dinner so I thought ah what the hell I'll play it while I'm cooking and then you know it's just something in the background I can pay attention between the cooking things cooking chores whatever you want to call them <laughs> um and then you know rewatch it that way so that's what I did, and I'm glad that I did because there was something that I noticed this time that I had never been in a place to be capable of noticing before, uh, which is that um, I, I, I'm, I'm resident to, 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 to say this just because it could just be a total coincidence, um, but knowing Stephen Moffat, it probably isn't. There's a line where Madame, Madame Du Pompadour, they, he does, where uh, the doctor does the mind meld with her. And then M- Madame Du Pompadour says, uh, doc- she says, uh, what, what is it? She's like, Doctor Who, uh, but that's not, that's not really the question, is it? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, whoa wait, wait, <laughs> wow. I was like, holy crap. Was he really setting that up like five seasons ago?
1: i I don't think so, I think it's more like well, I think it's an it, it's an interesting observation it's something that I notice as well. My perspective on it was actually like I just noticed that this really sets up all of the things that Moffat does later. oh yeah,
0: it absolutely does which um, is which is really interesting, considering the rumor that Sophia miles might be the new companion mm-hmm. um whether she's the- <laughs> whether she whether she's Madame de Pompadour or like a descendant of madame de pompadour mm-hmm. i don't know but yeah yeah well that's the we'll rumor s-
1: we'll see it's it's just a rumor for now so if you think we just
0: spoiled you believe me we we really it's haven't. it's it's like a it was like a tweet yeah
1: it was a tweet that Moffat said where he said why don't you follow her and someone someone ran with it i think it was io9 among other people and basically yeah. said oh does that mean this so it's just like speculation at this point, it doesn't necessarily Yeah, it's not anything. even
0: it's not even a rumor, it's just speculation, really. Yeah, yeah. She says, Why don't you follow why don't you follow her? It it'll be important later or something like that, is what she what yeah. he said. Mm-hmm. Which good. could mean that she plays Madame de Pompadour in Sherlock. I mean, it
1: could mean anything. Um right. <laughs> <laughs> Madame De Pompadour <laughs> just shows up on Sherlock.
0: Uh... Oh, that would be
1: funny. Um but yeah, I, I I see what you mean, and it it I did sort of strike me that like Moffat is very interested in the same sort of concepts over and over again, and like that that line was legitimately surprising. I think it's not something that he had in mind for later because I don't think he was expecting to get Doctor Who. I mean, he wanted it, but I don't think he was expecting it. But it's it's one of those things that was on his brain certainly, going all the way back to this. Sure. Um, and I mean, well, we'll talk about more stuff later. I, but like... I,
0: I think I think what I mean by it is that maybe it's not so much him setting up that, but it's like he he wanted to plant the seed of an idea of something that he was interested in. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. And, and I think that that's what that is. And now we're dealing with the repercussions of that seed. Sure. Um, and I think that's really that's really cool. And that's the stuff that I love when Moffat does. Um, mm-hmm. I love that I'm able to go back and watch The Girl in the Fireplace and be like, holy crap, what? <laughs> um, I think that's neat. I don't know. I think No, cool. no, it is cool. And that's the
1: thing I like, that's the thing I like about Girl in the Fireplace because it, it by no means is my favorite Moffat story, nor clearly is it my least favorite, but it is really like Moffat's greatest hits and mm-hmm. where Moffat really becomes Moffitt. Um, Definitely. As, as weird as that sounds.
0: Because and one of those things um, is obviously that the uh, the comparison between Madame de Pompadour and Amy Pond, I don't think is lost on anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not anymore. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean they're they're practically the same character, Uh, or at least it's it's a lot of the same concepts of. You know, I'm a kid, and now I'm an adult. And you're back, and you've been gone again for a really long time. But you're back, um, and I'm and, kind of and, into
1: you and stuff. Like right, that. right,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly attracted to my invisible friend. Um, that's and it, yeah, all of the, all of those concepts, all of those jokes are all done again with Amy um, over a longer period of time, obviously. And also, this is the first uh, like hint of. The doctor as a sort of like mythological being, yeah. Um, you know, like as like a fairy tale hero, that kind of thing that that Moffat seems to be really interested in.
1: Yeah, and like you see it in the I'm the thing that the nightmares have nightmares about. Like that's you know that's a very specific thing that Moffat wrote into the script, which apparently was lifted from a Paul Cornell story, I think. Um, but it's something that Moffat really, like, grabbed and, you know, just took for a run, I suppose is the phrase, um, moving forward, because you see that all over his, all over his Doctor Who. Um, uh, but yeah, the Amy Pond thing was interesting. I thought the, um, I think that actually really interested me this time was, uh, Moffat in interviews has said that River Song came about because he was really interested in finding, a character who knew the Doctor... Like, what if What if we were taking the twist on someone knows the Doctor uh, from the past and just said, well, this person knows the Doctor from the past, but the Doctor doesn't know it from the past. It's an interview sometime. He said that. And it made me really think about the way that Moffat plays with the Doctor's romantic entanglements um, and how... Uh Madame de Pompadour is not just an Amy Pond character but is also a River Song character in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. she is a very you know temporally displaced character. She doesn't meet the doctor. She meets the doctor in the right order but it's never correct. Um and it's you know there is a very specific attraction between them. And, you know, that is unique to the story, but also less unique because we see the Doctor getting more romantically entangled as Moffat goes on. Um, and I just – I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you noticed it.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I It's 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 funny. Like, I think Ma- Madame de Pompadour, as written by Stephen Moffat, is just – I mean, she's like – like you said, like, this episode is the greatest hits, and she's sort of the greatest hits character. Yeah. Um, and it just <laughs> – that's that's what this is. This is Stephen Moffat's greatest hits record. Um, mm-hmm. Which is weird, because it came before everything else.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like, um... It, what it really reminds me of is, like, when we talked about The Doctor's Wife a couple... I don't know, almost a year ago at this point. Jesus, that was a long time ago. Um, that was also a good weekend. Um, <laughs> because that aired. Uh... Yeah. We talked about how Neil Gaiman wrote his quintessential Doctor Who story, uh, and if I have this weird sort of theory where it's like, if you're going to write one Doctor Who story, like, what if your first story is your quintessential Doctor Who story? Uh, and it's actually, it's, it's, it's really kind of true. If you look at someone like Robert Holmes, like Robert Holmes wrote the Crotons, which is a weird quintessential Doctor Who story for Robert Holmes. Um, but I feel like, I mean, I, I also just like, like you, I've, Slightly been rewatching things because my roommates, ne- one of my roommates has never seen Doctor Who, so we're slowly trekking through the first season. And we watched Empty Child one night, and a lot of people want Empty Child. I'm not its biggest fan. I think it's very strong, but I, I personally think it's a slightly overhyped for me. Uh, but I think that you see the stuff that Moffat does in Empty Child, but I think that like this is like where he really just like you know, like we said, like he dials into that in ways that. The Empty Child never could have, because it's not, I mean, for one thing, it does play a lot with adults and children, which Moffat is clearly interested in based on his doc- his current run, but it's also, like, it's not quite as good as this is, because this is, I, like we're saying, much more greatest hits, uh, mm-hmm. and it's scary. Like, I like the Clockwork Robots, uh, among other things. I think they're a cool design and well shot and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so thoughts, 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 place.
0: Um, I'm just
1: talking <laughs> at this
0: point <laughs>
1: waiting for you to jump in.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, yeah. uh, except that, you know, I like empty child a little bit better than you do. Sure. Um, well, but even, I... even the, even the concept of the doctor dancing is redone in this. Yes. Which... It's just so, it's so funny how many concepts in this episode are done before or later. And by Stephen Moffat. It's just, it's, it's astounding. The banana thing (laughs) was, is a, is a, is a repeat. The dancing thing is a repeat. Uh, I mean, the, the mind meldy thing, which I wasn't aware was a thing. Yes. uh, Until this episode. And then was done later in the lodger, I think was the next time it was done. (laughs) Although slightly differently and more violently. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I
1: noticed I noticed the dancing thing, too, and it's really funny because, like, one of the things that we've been harping on Moffat for lately is the way that he recycles ideas, and I'm not upset with myself for not noticing, but it's like, because, well, he could get away with it a lot more when he's only doing one story a season, right.
0: but, man, did they talk about
1: dancing for a whole scene in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which funny. Was- it's just, it's, it's just so funny like he's really into the into the repeat gags and like another thing that he does is take a decided finds a way to make a decidedly uncreepy thing creepy yes that's he loves doing that i mean he mm-hmm. did that he did that in the in the his first episodes with the tape recorder um making that creepy and then he did it again with the clock. And in both cases, it's sort of the same way of making it creepy. Having it – having the sound playing when the thing that makes the sound isn't supposed to be making the sound anymore. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's, it's just – it's so funny. He just – he constantly repeats himself. But regardless, that doesn't make this episode any any, like, worse for it, I don't think. No, no, absolutely not. And that's – but that's the thing is, like – Tricks only work so
1: long as we we don't catch on. Because yeah. every time I watch this, I it, I always forget that the clock isn't supposed to be sounding in the room every time, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I think that like the thing that angers me more about Moffitt now, as opposed to Moffat then, is like Moffitt can get away with the sound trick because the sound trick is a, a subversion of what you're expecting. Uh, and, like, as so long as Moffat is able to subvert expectations, he is able to do a good episode. But what Moffat's doing now is not subverting my expectations, and is thusly failing, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing that really gets to me. And like I said, like, Moffat doing one story a season allows him time to develop that story, to get it right, to to tell it really well, and... Um, to make it so that we don't notice him pulling the same tricks over and over again. Uh, and I, I like that, and it makes me kind of miss him as a one-hit wonder, because I like, well, not one-hit wonder, but one-hit-per-season wonder. um, I, And I kind of miss that, but at the same time, it's also, I don't know, it's, it's, nice, it's nice going back and revisiting and saying, oh, no, 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 this guy is really a great Doctor Who writer. I just have fallen away from that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's mm-hmm. it's funny too because um uh it's it, it, it it's like okay, like you were saying like he has that extra time to um work on the ep- on the episode. And then I think it's funny when you look at that and you you're like, yeah, he did have more time. And then look at what the best episodes of the new series are. It's always the premiere. Yeah. That's the episode that he had the most time to write. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and whenever he's crunched for time, it ends up not working. And I, I mean, you could see that in the Christmas special. Like, I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the Christmas special, but he was really pushed for time on that. Like, and uh-huh. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm all, I'm slightly speculating, but I'm also basing it on things that I've been, I saw online from him. Like he was really pushed for time and it, it, it really showed. Um, and that, mm-hmm. I mean, I have no desire to really see that. Again, Uh, I'll end up seeing it again, but it it didn't blow us away and that sort of thing. But like looking at it, like it's it's just it's really impressive when what Moffat gets to do when he takes the time. And like I mean, Sherlock is a prime example of that. I mean, I didn't watch the original pilot to Sherlock. I haven't done that, but I did see clips, and the clips that I saw show a much rawer version of that show that isn't nearly as good as that pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pilot really benefits from a strong, strong, strong second draft. And I think that like – Wait, you you mean the, the first episode? Well, yeah. Not, you, they not did, the pilot, right? Well, they did the pilot and they did study in pink.
0: Um, right, right. Because, so you're saying that a study in pink is better, not the pilot. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. That
1: pilot's not very good. Okay. Um, you
0: were, Yeah, because you were saying the pilot.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, wait, what?
1: Are you saying? No, I'm saying I'm saying the pilot to Sherlock is not as is not anywhere near as strong as the study in pink episode. Yes, um, correct. I do agree. Right. And I think that like Moffitt I mean Moffitt's a great writer, but there's a lot to be said about second drafts um and I mean it's something that we'll probably talk about on Mind Robbers a lot uh because <laughs> we got to fill that time. But um M- Moffitt like Moffitt really needs to do second drafts and he really needs to get notes from people. And I think that like Moffitt works really well in collaboration. Like this is still the section where he is really collaborating with Davies. I mean, I don't know if the Madame de Pompadour story is correct, but I'm inclined to believe that it is because I don't think people lie about that sort of thing. Well,
0: and, and Russell T Davies was, uh, was researching Madame de Pompadour. She, he fell in love with the, with the, with the figure, the character. I, I, didn't want to say character because she's a real person, um, <laughs> but she he fell in love with the character while researching uh, her during his Casanova writing, because mm-hmm. um, it was the same era, so that makes sense to me. Right,
1: agreed. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing I think is Moffat like it it just works. Like he he turns a great idea into a better idea and. This is still the point where he's getting notes from Davies, um, and, he's, and he's still, you know, like, by the time he hits uh, Science and Library, like, Davies is just like, I don't give him notes. I just let him write the script and send it off to the, like, I don't, I just read it, which I think is really funny, but, like, uh, Moffat here, it's nice to see him early on, and, like, really, like, a really hungry Moffat, I think, is the phrase I'm looking for, mm-hmm. because... Wedding of River Song. I mean, comparing that to this, they're 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 written by two completely different people, but like him in River in Wedding is much more complacent and not as interesting and not as hungry as he is here. Like this is still the guy who's been waiting to write for Doctor Who all his life, and that shows in the mm-hmm. greatest hits of this all. And I like that, and I yeah. wish he would be hungry again.
0: Yeah, because uh, the the wedding stuff is uh, lazy Moffat. <laughs> I mean it is. It felt like it's, a first it, draft. It felt like yeah. we were watching a first draft, which yeah. is and it's
1: and it's greatest hits but in a completely different way. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, but like this is all good. I mean if I have one complaint well, I have actually two quibbles. Well okay. three. Um, all right. the first I'll just get away out of out of out of right off. I think that Eros Lynn does a, does a very strong job directing this, but I don't like the color palette. I think it's too techno for me. Um and maybe that was like my TV or something but like the the blues are really blue and the greens are really green and I don't I don't I'm not a huge fan of it it feels very saturated in ways that I didn't really like um uh that's just I can me see that. I can see yeah. that and I I mean I like I like something that's a bit more muted I mean this also I mean it's also very specific I mean this Eros Lynn also directed Tooth and Claw which is arguably the best looking story in the season because it's I mean, I love the color pla- palette on Tooth and Claw. Um, it's so like muted and and movie like, you know. Mm. But here it's very garish, and I'm not huge on that. Um, I find the character of Madame de Pompadour. I, I like her as a character, but I also feel like this is <laughs> this is really the first tragedy of Moffat's idea that all stories can need can, don't need to be any longer than. Th- Excuse me, forty-five minutes, uh, because she really doesn't do a whole lot in this story, uh, like at all, uh, and I and I I find that slightly problematic, given that she's ostensibly the title character, mm-hmm. uh, and I I think that I I don't know I feel like I I, I question because it's hard to see a story as being longer when you have it all in front of you, like how could they stretch this out? Um, you know
0: what I mean? Right. I don't. I just don't think it would be as wonderfully chaotic sure as it is here sure um
1: i mean i i agree i also but i think that as a as a point of problem for me it also means that the doctor falls in love with madame de pompadour because he's enamored with her and that's kind of i mean it's a cheat it's a huge huge cheat and it's something that really kind of sticks out at me ever since I, I see it. I understand what they're going for, and I'm willing to concede them the point and be like, okay, well, I'll just go with it. But I also... I feel like the lack of time spent on it means that he's only in love with her by reputation, and she's in love with him because
0: she likes I the do character. I don't, I don't know necessarily that he's in love with her. I think he's enamored with her. Sure. But I don't think he's in love with her. And also i she, i do think that she's in love with him, but um people were different back then, and they sure, they sure. fell in love very easily sure uh, for for little to no reason they were just into the grand romance of it all, and if you had that, then you were in love um Agreed. so yeah, so it makes sense from to me from her perspective and i don't I never really got the feeling that he was in love with her. I just got that he was interested and enamored with her sure like he he was very fond of her i yeah. think yeah but
1: the but the problem also becomes for me that this story was designed as something of a romance like that's the way that Moffat's described it and that's the that's clearly what they're attempting to go for through the whole thing uh, the the mind melding thing is very you know it's a very intimate almost sexual moment and i think that like it's clear that that's what Moffat's going for, but I don't think that comes across from her. Yes, I would agree that it's easy to see why she is enraptured with him. I mean, he's the Doctor for God's sake. But um, I, I don't quite buy it from him. And the entire like the ending moment of him reading in the TARDIS and the, the what I think is arguably the best, like um, arguably for me the best moment in terms of sheer character moment is when he's watching. With Louis the Fifteenth, he's watching the carriage leave Versailles for the last time, and he just takes the note and puts it in his pocket. Like that's a that's a that's just a phenomenal moment where it's just like I'm this is my moment with her. It's not for you. Yeah, um, and I that's it's such it's such a powerful moment and, and incredibly done by well done by uh, David Tennant, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, And I like that. I just think – and I think that David Tennant does a great job of selling it. But once you start to question, well, why is he really in love with her, it's weird. And then to take it one step further, and this is the problem that everyone has with it, is like he is also quote-unquote clearly falling in love with her while also clearly falling in love with Rose if you go by the arc of the season. And Mm -hmm. I think that – putting it here is a very weird, interesting choice that I don't think was necessarily smart. If you put this in Season 3, sure. a—I think it would be almost a better fit. But I think that, like, here, it does hit a problem that is very hard to reconcile, especially with regards to Rose, because Rose, as we saw in School Reunion, which was the story before this, she just got had a trip through Jealousyville with Sarah Jane, and now she's getting kicked to the curb for this random... French socialite from the 19th century or from the 18th century and I think that that's a it's a weird choice and I don't think they ever really were able to reconcile it I mean you have to kind of throw that out of the window for one story but I mean it's still a point that deserves to be made and a point that I don't really know how to reconcile you know what I mean
0: well I don't I think that I don't know like I guess maybe I see it differently because one I don't I definitely see the doctor enamored with her I don't see him necessarily falling in love. I just I don't know. I just think that it's a chemistry they have, but I I just I see it as uh, this episode and the episode before with, with school reunion. I feel like it puts Rose in a place where she can see the way the doctor lives, sure. which which I which I think is important um in order for her to understand because otherwise Otherwise, it, can, it Otherwise, you're in a Martha situation where it's a girl with a crush, not someone who is actually deeply in love with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't understand the person, then you can't really be in love with them. Yeah. Uh, and so I think these two episodes were important for her uh, and for her to understand the doctor and the things that he has to deal with. Um I mean, this showed in the previous episode you got she got to see like what happens to his other companions, and in this you get to see what happens to the doctor when he loses one of those companions yeah um, and I think that that's the, those two sides of that coin are an important thing for her to see as a character and as a character that's falling in love with him sure
1: uh, and now that you mention that, I think that's actually a really good good point um uh, I only question it from the perspective of the Doctor specifically, because I think it's it's an odd choice to have him. I mean, enamored with Renette specifically at this point, right mm-hmm. when they're hitting the great romance of Tenth Rose, if you want to call it the great romance. Um, but I I see what you mean, and it does mean that you know Rose has to make a choice. Like Rose is Rose going to stay behind? Or is she going to travel with the Doctor forever? And as we know, based on where she goes for the rest of the season, based on her ending, she follows him to the end of the world. Um, and, you know, ultimately pays a very ultimate price for it. But I think that, like, that, that is a good point. And I like that. I, I really do. And it does develop her character in, in a way where she's... And she's also like, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait five and a half hours for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, can you imagine being on that ship for five and a half hours? Yes.
0: Just like, what are we going to do?
1: <laughs> just like, bored we're stuck out of here
0: mind. forever. <laughs> five and a half hours of literally like thinking, are we going to, uh, we're stuck here forever. Like, should we, should we go and just like try to talk to the TARDIS and be like, <laughs> can you take us home, please? Like, what, what would go through your head for like five hours? I don't know, but like all
1: I know is like I've, I mean I've had to sit around for like half an hour waiting for things to happen, and it feels like going insane. Like I don't know by hour by hour three, I probably would have had a big spear fight with Mickey, and like whoever survives gets to eat the other person. Like that's literally like (laughs) where where it has to kind of go. Um, So like I don't know five and a half hours. That's like especially because like nothing takes longer than like time when you're just sitting around bored, and it's not like the ship's huge, so. They're just kinda stuck. I mean, oh
0: just five and a half hours. Maybe they played uh, maybe they played find the body part (laughs) for a few hours. That could be fun.
1: It's like a scavenger hunt and it's like whoever completes the first human first (laughs) wins. Oh god (laughs) Uh, it's kind of dark, but I mean like what else are you gonna do? Five and a half hours. It's play scavenger hunt play a scavenger hunter, just mope and stare out the window at space for a while.
0: That's basically all you got. Yeah.
1: Oh god, I can't imagine that crushing boredom. Oh, <laughs> oh. That's awful.
0: Um Uh so let's talk about David Tennant. Oh
1: boy, let's talk about him and how good he is.
0: Yeah, this is this is when he was like he just got his role. Like that's this is way early in the in yeah. in, in in his doctor and it's just like I think cuz I mean you David Tennant's doctor you sort of fall in love with him as soon as he wakes up in the Christmas invasion. Um, because it, you know, Russell T Davies and David Tennant knew exactly what they wanted to do with that doctor. And they did it in spades, um, immediately. And, uh, so, you know, you kind of fall for him immediately. And then you have several episodes where you're just like, man, this guy's good. And I think this was the episode where I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan <laughs> because I mean, literally everything that comes out of his mouth is so great. Like him naming the horse and then <laughs> like, but just randomly throwing it out. Like what's his name? Arthur. I don't
1: remember. He's just
0: like, he's like, go get Arthur. And he's just, and she's like, you're n- did you just name the horse? You're not keeping the horse. I let you keep Mickey. Like just <laughs> that back and forth. Oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Well, it's also like Moffat.
1: Moffat knows how to write the Doctor. I mean, we know that. I mean, problems aside now, but like Moffat, Moffat writes a killer Doctor. I mean, that's that's one line. One, my line in this is um, he's one is where Louis the goes. I'm the King of France, and the Doctor's just like, yeah, I'm a Lord of Time. Like, go go away. Like, yeah, <laughs> awesome to me. And it's oh, it's so good, David Tennant. Like, I. I'm always blown away by him. And it's weird, like, watching all these stories out of order, because, I mean, you and I both watch Tenant in in order, always. Um, watching him here, like, watching him out of order, I'm always struck with how, how... Not how good he is as the Tenth Doctor, but how good he is as THE Doctor. Um... And, like, I just, I love him. I love him so much. And he he has, he does everything in this episode. He's funny, he's also, gets pretty dark, he gets pretty serious, and, I mean, it's just, it's also, like, David Tennant's greatest hits. Um, and I just, I love that. I really love that. So. Oh. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, one of the things I really wanted to mention, just real quick, um, is how much I love Mickey as a companion. Like, He's i know good. they didn't do enough with him Seriously. no they didn't they didn't because uh. because he, he's so good in, like he's so good in this when he when rose like when when the doctor runs back into the room and he tosses the fire extinguishers them he's like don't run off and then he runs back to rainette and rose is just like well let's go and mickey's just like he said not to run off and rose is like yeah he did And Mickey's like, (laughs) heh and he grabs a fire extinguisher and runs off. Like, I love that the companions get to go run off and have some fun in the story. It's just, it's so, you know, it's so unique, especially because, you know, it's hard to deal with companions when they're not with the Doctor, because you want them to be with the Doctor, but you almost need to give them a buddy. And I love, Mickey and Rose's best friends hang out in the TARDIS is such a great pairing. And, I mean, they're only in, like, three stories together, but, like... As this, but, oh, he's so good. He's so much fun. So, I just, I really wanted to mention him.
0: Yeah. I'm still severely depressed about uh, both uh, the actor who plays Mickey and Freema Agumon not being available for Torchwood. Yeah. Because they would have been great additions. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they were supposed to be in Children of Earth, but I think they both got busy, and that's so such a
0: bummer. Oh, it's such a bummer. Such (laughs) a bummer.
1: And then you realize that, like, that's the reason why Russell T. Davies didn't kill him off in Journey's End was because he promised that he could go into Torchwood, and Noel Clark really wanted to do it. Then Noel Clark got busy, and he couldn't, and so they wrote, Mm -hmm. among other things, probably Rex. Um, And it's like, oh, Mickey Smith. Like, underrated. And especially... Like, I I mean, watching him in season one, like, I love him in season two and season one. Noel Clark is, like, an unsung
0: hero of Doctor yeah. Who. And, and now King. he's going to be in Star Trek too, which is exciting. Hell, hell yes. Hell him yes. and and Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> what
1: in the world? That's awesome. Someone, someone is a Stephen Moffat fan.
0: Uh, yeah. That's what it seems like. But, uh... Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so Every, I think everybody's really good in this, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a strong showing for all parties involved. Like everyone, everyone does good. It's a it's a pretty big win across the board, and rightfully, a like a story in this season. It it definitely it's up there. It's not my favorite of this season, I don't think. Um, but I do I do quite enjoy it a lot.
0: Mhm. <sighs> so, go on the fireplace. There you go. good times and that's that and that is that (laughs) kill it kill it uh and before we move on uh, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by dcbservice.com discount comic book service is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues action figures and anything else you could get from your local comic book shop You place your orders up to three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay $6.25 in flat rate shipping. This month, you can pre-order up to five free comic book day items including a hardcover from Arcade Entertainment and you could order the four new Vertigo number ones in a bundle for $2.99 total. Uh, and if huh. that's all you order, then it only ships for three bucks. So thanks to DCBService.com. Woo! Woo! Uh, next week, we have uh, William Hartnell and the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yes. Which is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say about this one, because I
1: just have to mention it. Before we go there, um, uh, if you want a Dalek story where the Dalek's plan is, uh, pardon the language, but batshit insane, you need to watch the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I, I mean, Scott, I know I'm pretty sure you don't know what the Daleks are doing in it, but it is, I mean, they invade Earth, but there's a reason they invade Earth. The reason they invade Earth is the most batshit crazy thing I've ever heard of in Doctor Who. And wow. that's saying something. Yeah, it's wow. pretty nuts.
0: <laughs> well, I just bought it on Amazon, and uh, all the Amazon reviews were three star, no, four stars and up. So that's that's good. Yeah, it's it's. Of, I mean, my I did I just
1: did a ranking because I finished watching Doctor Who this week. So um, all of classic Who, yay, go me! Um, I did a ranking, and this is my favorite Hartnell sci-fi story. I have three historicals above it, but this is this is hands down my favorite Hartnell story, because it's just such a good time. It's so good. Awesome. And enjoyable. Yeah, you'll like it. It's
0: awesome. Um Awesome. Also, uh, if you haven't yet, you should listen to The Mind Robbers, which is Matt and I's other podcast, where we talk about all the other things. <laughs> that are not Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, And you should listen to that, because it's fun. And it's just us talking about whatever. In episode one, we talked about our favorite films of 2011 in episode 2 which was just released uh, this past week we talked about uh, all uh, of our favorite TV shows of 2011 and next week we're going to be talking about Sherlock series 3 as well as our book of the month Batman the Black Mirror um, and Sherlock series 3 huh? yeah, oh, series 2, nice. did I say series 3? <laughs> yeah you did I was thinking 3 episodes is what I was thinking <laughs> And I said series three. Oh well, we're from the future. <laughs> Sherlock like, series two.
1: We're like eighteen months in the future. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: if we're lucky, eighteen months <laughs> in the future. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, series two of Sherlock. We're talking, and then uh, and then Batman the Black Mirror, and then whatever else. Probably other things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And if you haven't watched Supernatural, we're
1: gonna start doing that. Well, I mean, I don't know if we'll talk about it every week we probably might though because why not um but we're gonna be just for a few minutes yeah sure we're gonna be doing a um uh weekly i think we're gonna watch like three episodes of supernatural because it's about to hit netflix it hits netflix uh i don't know when this is going out but at the end of january it's hitting netflix and it's gonna stay there so we're gonna watch all of supernatural from the beginning Mm -hmm. i haven't seen it scott has scott loves it i probably will um so if you want to watch supernatural and you haven't play along with us on the mind robbers three episodes a week it's not that bad and i think if we if all works out we will be caught up by the end of the year which is insane Mm -hmm. um or i will because
0: i'm I'm already caught up yeah well and the last episode was
1: incredible so
0: you said yeah you said no no no. i've watched episodes since we last talked (laughs) oh nice
1: yeah oh that's right
0: god that show's so good I can't wait
1: to get to it. It boggles
0: my mind that they are, are seven seasons in and they're still finding new stuff to have episodes about.
1: Like, yeah, that's, that's crazy.
0: It's incredible. It's incredible. All right. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, 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 that's good. So mind robbers
1: for that. Um, Next week, I mean, we really, we're not planning a bunch of stuff. Like, we'll eventually be talking about movies. Like, when summer hits, we're going to be talking about movies every week. Right. Um, but we're, we're going to be talking about Supernatural. We're going to be talking about, like, a movie. Like, I'll say, oh, man, let's watch this movie, and then we'll probably talk about it. Like, it's just, we're playing it by ear. Right. We're playing it by ear. And so, we'll
0: also, if you want to hear about other creative endeavors that we uh, are going to be doing, we're going to be talking about those on that show as well yes it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. we're probably going to start talking about that right around episode four um because we've got some creative a a particular creative project uh right around the corner um yeah which we haven't really announced yet so no and it's
1: scary (laughs) you're much more scared than i am
0: but i'm terrified (laughs) um but i'm excited but terrified yes Yes. Well,
1: we'll be talking about that coming up. Um, so check the mind robbers. It's a good time. And we promise that af- I mean, we did not mean the TV episode to come out to three hours long, but they're going to be much shorter.
0: Yeah. They're the only going to be an hour, hour, out like a max episode would be like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It should never get that long. So <laughs> if it does, like we'll, we'll warn you
1: ahead of time. Cause we'll be like, Oh, this is going to take a while. So, yeah. Right. So. Exactly. But no, an hour long mind robbers. It, it's a fun time. Uh, this is the show that will inevitably always run long, except this week when we're going to be under an hour. Hopefully, yay! Um, yep. <laughs> Not next week because next week, oh, there's some crazy stuff, including bomb safety. Oh, we're going
0: to have to have some bomb safety conversations next week on this show. Fantastic! Just, like, just Looking saying. forward to it. Oh, <laughs> all hey, right. Man. So, Matt. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gunkadin. You can also find me on, uh, my alternate Twitter account, GD Commentary, where I live tweet things. Sometimes just give a random tweet about something I'm watching because why pollute my feed with the unclean?
0: Um, or sometimes (laughs) you just randomly tweet things because you tweeted from the wrong account. Now, well, that happens when you link tweet deck proper improperly, but whatever.
1: (laughs) It doesn't matter. She got the message. So we're fine. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> does it matter? No. Um so, uh, you can also follow my blog com. Uh I don't know when this episode's going out cuz we're actually officially ahead of schedule right now, so this is probably going out in like 2 weeks. Uh but look back and see my review of the eSpace trilogy, which is a fourth Doctor Romana tr- trilogy. Um where I talk where <laughs> there's a bunch of cool stuff. Uh I'm rewatching it right now and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Vampires and Warriors Gate, which is actually legitimately incredible. I do. I will never apologize for Warriors Gate because Warriors Gate is like one of the most underrated stories ever. Uh, it's so incredible. That's exciting.
0: Um, oh are man, to, are we watching uh, the East trailo- trilogy on this show as a trilogy? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Okay. I don't. I
1: don't think so. I mean, because we're not doing it for. Um, what's the phrase? When we get to uh the black guardian trilogy we're doing the black Car- guardian trilogy all separately but really the space trilogy i think we're watching in order of tom baker so like we'll do full circle and then we'll do a couple stories and then we'll do state of decay okay think- so we're
0: we're doing it as a trilogy just as a separated Totally yeah true. okay yeah yeah that's yeah, fair. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah so so that's how that's gonna go down um we're doing key to time in order like we're doing key to time that's
0: six weeks Uh it's gonna be the worst six weeks of my life <laughs> no it's not Ugh, Ugh. i hate the key to time <laughs> i hate it it's
1: it's it's gonna be at least two rough weeks i'll tell you that right now i hate key to time it's the same story over and over again i disagree but we'll I, get there i don't know. Don't worry. That's 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 a that's still a couple years away at this point. <laughs> no, no, cuz I mean this is not going to matter to anyone, but Key to Time is number Key to Time starts at 102. Okay. Well, and we're on we're on 38, 30, no, we're on 30. This was 35. So we have a ways <laughs> to go. We're still at least 2 years away from the Key to Time. So okay, something to not look forward to. Good. Right. Good, good, good. In the far, far future. Speaking of looking forward, before I toss it back to Scott, uh, we're getting towards a time where I'm announcing new- the stories that are coming up. So next week we're doing The Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is a Hartnell story. And I mean, if you want to watch a good Hartnell story and just play along at home, it's a really good one. You'll have a good time with it. It's a lot of fun. I don't know what the Slither is, or who the Waking Ally is. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, uh, so, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Ark in Space, which is the... First Hinchcliffe home story is coming up the week after that, uh, so not next week but the week after. And then we're gonna do the claws of Axos, which is a seven uh, not a seven a third Doctor Master story, which uh, will be interesting to revisit. I haven't seen it in a while. And then we're doing the fires of Pompeii, so we're finally getting back to more and Oh God, we can't we, can, we we go so through such droughts of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then we're doing the ice warriors which is a second doctor story which is mostly missing but also not uh so we'll see how that with victoria and jamie which is always a good time Mm. and then we're getting some more davison again with the visitation so that'll be fun lots of stuff to look forward to i'm excited oh god just wait until we get farther like there's there's just pockets of greatness coming up just good good stuff
0: i love the doctor who it's so good.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Um, Anyways, scott. you
0: can find me on twitter dot com slash scott Corelli on my alternate Twitter account twitter dot com slash scott commentary. Also, uh, mindrobert dot net. Uh, mo- this most recently I posted a well, not recently from when you guys hear this, but if you take a look back a few posts, um, I posted a playlist of my favorite of like a couple of tracks off of all of my favorite albums of 2011. So if you're into music and you're interested to know what kind of music I like, well, there you go. You can (laughs) go listen to that. Um, uh, So that's there. And then uh, obviously the mind robbers uh, you can always find us both there and it's Awesome. Um, And you can email this show and the other show. It's the same email. Podcast at mindrobber.net. And uh, leave iTunes reviews, please. And thanks to everyone who left iTunes reviews for The Mind Robbers. But if you haven't listened to The Mind Robbers yet and you go and check it out, after you listen to it, leave a review, especially if it's a good one. (laughs) Good reviews are good. Yeah. Good reviews are good. By
1: definition –
0: good reviews are good (laughs) the adjective is the same all right (laughs) okay and with that we'll see you next week bye bye guys